Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. These are extraordinary times and uh, people up and down the land are feeling understandably fearful and, and lost. And as Christians down through the centuries have felt those emotions, maybe for all sorts of different reasons, certainly I would imagine not for this kind of thing, although there have been these sorts of things in the past, of course, uh, they've often turned to the Psalms. And I thought it would be good for that reason this morning if we do just that. And to Psalm 121, uh, a psalm that I know is a favourite of many people. So if you've got your Bible, then please do turn with me to Psalm 121. And uh, I'll read it for us, Psalm 121. I can't give you a page number, of course, uh, but I can tell you that it's uh, around about the middle of the Bible, uh, Psalm 121. And uh, let me read it for us right now. A song of ascents. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I'll uh, never forget visiting Pat. Uh, It was in a church uh, some time back uh, that I first met Pat. And um, I met her because uh, I visited her because the day before she had uh, crossed the road and uh, tripped uh, on the uh, curb and turned her ankle and broken her ankle. So as I visited her, there she was with her foot in plaster and propped up. I spent a little bit of time with Pat and then I said to her before I went, would you mind if I read the Bible and pray with you? And she said, no, I'd like that. And I said to Pat, what's your favourite psalm? She said to me, Psalm 121. And so I turned up uh, Psalm 121 in my Bible and began to read it. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then I read verse three. He will not let your foot slip. And I stopped and I looked up at Pat and she roared with laughter. He will not let your foot slip, but that was precisely what had happened the day before. Uh, We could both see the funny side of things. But it raises a serious question in these serious times. I mean, just look down uh, to verse seven, if you will, for a moment. Look at this verse. The Lord will keep you from all harm. Do you see the problem? That can't be a promise that Christians will be spared through this dreadful virus outbreak. Any more than verse 3 was a promise that a Christian wouldn't turn over on her ankle and break her foot in the process. We're fearful of the virus precisely because it could kill us and those we love. We're fearful because of the economic ruin that could change our lives forever. As Christians, we're not immune from all this. Christians are going to get sick and die and face financial hardship. And so while it sounds lovely, what comfort is there in this psalm? 
Well, come with me to the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean the very beginning, even above verse 1. Do you see those words there? A song of ascents. Right through many modern translations, you can see headings above Bible passages. And most of them have been inserted by the translation committee. Uh, Sometimes the headings are helpful, sometimes they're not. Uh, They've been inserted by well-meaning people uh, to help us to have a a heads up on what the next passage says. But they are not scripture. But the Psalms are different. The headings in the Psalms are part of the original text. The headings in the Psalms are scripture and can be relied upon. And so this Psalm, along with all the Psalms from Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134, are songs of ascents and would be sung while pilgrims were making their way up to Jerusalem, ascending up the hill to Jerusalem as they were on their way uh, to the holy city and to the temple where God dwelt. I had the privilege of going to Jerusalem about 20 months ago. I went there for a conference. And during my time there, I went off uh, a couple of occasions to different trips. And as I was coming back from one trip outside of Jerusalem, As I was coming back on the coach, I think I began to understand the backdrop to this psalm like I'd never understood it before. Jerusalem is built on a hill. Whichever direction you travel in, you have to go uphill to get to Jerusalem. And the terrain is hard. It's arid and dry and dusty and very hot in the summer. And so picture the pilgrim on their way up to Jerusalem, looking up to the hills and facing literally an uphill struggle on their journey. They may by this point have travelled miles with with none of the modern forms of transport that we enjoy today. Perhaps uh, they were on foot, maybe on a donkey. And now here they were, nearly at the end of their journey, and yet still with this arduous journey up the hill into Jerusalem. The last part looked exhausting. Dangers all around. The dangers of the searing heat during the day and bandits and wild animals at night. And so the pilgrim cries out in verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It's a desperate question. Now, if you're taking notes, I don't know whether you are or not, but if you like taking notes, there's your first heading, a desperate question. Imagine two pilgrims walking together up to Jerusalem and the first one says, I don't know that I can keep going. I'm exhausted. We've, We've come so far and yet it still seems that there's so far to go. This is such a difficult journey and it's so dangerous. Who's going to help me? Where does my help come from? Now what does this mean for us? We're not on a physical journey to Jerusalem but we are on a spiritual journey to the heavenly Jerusalem. If you want to chase it up later then look up Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 where the writer to the Hebrews speaks of Mount Zion, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem the city of the living God. That's our heavenly destination. That's where we're heading. If I can put it this way, that is every Christian's pilgrimage. And on that journey, well, there's many perils. On many occasions, Christians have said to me, Paul, I don't think I can keep going anymore. My faith is weak. I'm struggling to keep following Jesus. Somebody said just that to me this week. 
We look ahead and the journey looks tough. Sometimes it's the last part of the journey that seems so difficult. People who followed Jesus for years, for decades as they reach the twilight of their life and face all the exhausting struggles of old age and infirmity. They don't know if they have the energy to keep going, to keep fighting. They're worn out. They look up what's ahead and and they wonder if they'll be able to keep going with Jesus. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if that isn't how many feel today. With this wretched virus before us, the vulnerable are concerned for their life. Many concerned for loved ones. People wondering how they're going to put food on the table, not just because of panic buying, but because they've lost their job and they have no income. The struggles ahead seem so immense. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It's a scary business. But from a desperate question, we hear, secondly, a wonderful answer. Imagine those two pilgrims walking up to Jerusalem. The first, struggling to keep going, says, who's going to help me? Where does my help come from? And his companion replies, verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, Oh, this is magnificently reassuring. It is the Lord who will help us, the one who made everything. You see, there's two things that we can note here. First, the Lord, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. He's made a promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He won't break that promise. He has revealed himself as the compassionate, gracious God who is abounding in love and faithfulness. I I love that. His love and faithfulness abounds. There's so much of it. It's not going to run out. The pilgrim knew it. How much more do we? We have seen the full extent of his love in Christ Jesus. Love that would go so far that he was ready to die for us. If he loved us that much, and he did, we can be sure he loves us now and he will not let us go. The Lord is our help, the covenant-keeping God. But second, you see in verse two, he's not only the Lord, but he is the maker of heaven and earth. That is the one who is our help. The pilgrim looks to the hills and sees danger. His companion reminds him who made the hills. The creator of those very hills is our helper. The creator of everything is our helper. Think of the wonder of creation for a moment. I'm told that there are apparently 400 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Our sun is 150 trillion miles from the centre of our galaxy. And our galaxy is just one of a cluster of 30 galaxies. Altogether, it's estimated that there are over 100 billion galaxies and each galaxy has over 100 billion stars. And our God has set it all in place. Isn't that mind-blowing? But it's not just the huge aspects of creation. He also created the small things, the molecules, the neutrons, the protons that make up planet Earth. He made the 75,000 miles of blood vessels that are in your body that carry blood to over 60 trillion cells. Think about the humble caterpillar. Did you know that a caterpillar has 228 separate and distinct muscles in its head? That's a lot of muscles for a bug. And think about the trees. In full bloom, the average elm tree has approximately six million leaves on it. No wonder it takes so long to sweep them up in the autumn. The point is this, verse two, it is the maker of heaven and earth 
who will help me in my journey to the heavenly Jerusalem. The one who made everything is the one who will help me through. The pilgrim looked to the hills ahead, hills that were overwhelmingly big, and his companion wisely reminded him that the hills might be big, but we turn to the one who made the hills, who shaped them, who fashioned them with his own hands. And so today, as we look to things that are immense, too big for us, whatever's ahead of us, and who knows, it's not too big for our God. He has promised to be with us. He is the Lord. And he's able to cope with it all. As we've uh, looked at verse two, I doubt I've told you anything that you don't know already. But in these times, we need to be reminded of things we know. As we look ahead to such uncertain times and as we wonder how we'll ever keep going, and especially when our faith feels rocky and we fear that we're gonna give up following Jesus, we need to keep telling each other these things. I've been um, wonderfully encouraged just through this week to hear how people are keeping connected through various social media platforms and, of course, on the good old-fashioned telephone. We need to keep meeting virtually, uh, like then one pilgrim to another, encouraging one another. And as one of us is struggling through in these unprecedented times, another can encourage the other that the Lord is the one who will keep going. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will keep us going. See, when we're struggling, when the journey ahead looks long and arduous, when we see not just a few weeks, but months of difficulty lying ahead of us, First and foremost, we need to look to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Every day, through the day, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, we do well to cast our anxieties on him because he loves us and because he's powerful, creator of all things. He can protect us. Indeed, it is his protection that is at the heart of the rest of this psalm. And so from a desperate answer to a wonderful, sorry, from a desperate question to a wonderful answer, and third, an all-encompassing protection. What the pilgrim goes on to say in this conversation on their journey is that the Lord helps me every step of the way. Look at verse three. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will neither slumber nor sleep for the pilgrim on the way to the earthly, earthly Jerusalem, the, the terrain was rough and the chance of your foot slipping was a very real danger. But here's the promise, he will not let your foot slip. And verse four, he will not slumber or sleep. It's a great thought. God never has an afternoon nap. He's never sleepy. There's never a time when he takes himself off to bed early. He's always wide awake, full alert watching over you and me. Isn't that wonderful to know? I, I love getting into bed at night. I, I love the refreshment of a good night's sleep. But imagine you're the pilgrim uh, walking up to Jerusalem. Falling asleep in the hills is a dangerous thing, as we'll see in verse six in a moment. Being asleep makes you vulnerable. So what a thought. God doesn't sleep. He's always there by your side. Even as you rest, he won't nod off. Isn't that wonderfully reassuring? Through all this, he hasn't nodded off. He's always alert and he's always protecting. 
Verse five, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. On the climb up to Jerusalem, the sun and the moon were were significant dangers. During the day, the sun would scorch the pilgrim on his journey up to Jerusalem. The setting, remember, is the Middle East, not an English summer when you're more likely to drown than suffer sunstroke. The heat of the sun was a real danger. And at night, when the moon came out, well, then there were dangers in the hills, wild beasts on the prowl, thieves able to creep around under cover of darkness. And this talk of the moon coming out and the darkness may even be an allusion to the spiritual powers of darkness that we face. But in verses five and six, we are assured of the all-encompassing protection of the Lord day and night. Do you see it there in verse six? The sun by day, the moon by night. And I love how personal it is. Verse five, the Lord watches over you. We've already thought about the Lord, but the Lord is your shade. Our twin girls are 20 now, but when they were just babes in arms and and we went for a walk in the park, we of course would put them in a pram. We had this long pram. One of the girls would lay at one end of the pram, the other one at the other. Uh, The the pram was such that we could only put one parasol up. And uh, so sometimes in the heat of the day, um, the parasol would protect one of the children, one of the babies, but not the other one. And so I'd find myself, as I was pushing the pram, having to position myself in front of the, the sun to protect the other one. That's verse five. The Lord is your shade. Isn't that wonderfully personal? It's not just that the Lord puts up an umbrella to protect you. He is your shade. He personally protects and shades you. See what this means? We may still go through the heat of life and at times it feels stiflingly hot, like now for some it feels unbearably hot, but his shade stops us from scorching. This psalm gives magnificent assurance for those who are God's people. Verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all harm, he will watch over your life. Again, keep this verse in its context. This is not a promise that our loved ones won't contract the virus or even die from the virus. This is not a promise that we won't lose our jobs or struggle financially. This is the promise that the Lord will keep us going until we reach the heavenly Jerusalem. A promise that the Lord will help us and protect us even when we wonder if we can keep going as followers of Jesus. He'll keep us when we're f- until we're finally with him in the heavenly Jerusalem. Stick with him and you will make it to that heavenly Jerusalem where there'll be no more suffering and you'll make it because he will get you there. As we close, one final thought. His protection is not an excuse to act irresponsibly. We mustn't use these promises as an excuse to do nothing. These are promises for the believer heading towards Jerusalem. If the pilgrim was to turn round and go back down the hill, or if he were to stop walking, or just sit down like a defiant toddler refusing to go any further, if that were the pilgrim's attitude, they would never get to Jerusalem. Now we mustn't use this psalm as an excuse to give up the daily disciplines of following the Lord we still need to keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep reading our Bible and praying, keep living out the Christian life in this situation that we find ourselves in, keep meeting with one another virtually, keep turning to him throughout each day.
we have a responsibility to keep living Christianly. Some of us will, as a result of all that's happened, find ourselves with more time than we've had. Why don't you use it to develop your Bible times and your prayer times? Why don't you use it to read good Christian books? And of course, keep using it to connect with others and pray with them. Putting one foot in front of the other on your spiritual journey up to the heavenly Jerusalem where one day we will be free from all fear and all uncertainty, fear from all sickness, all sadness, and no more death. Be sure, verse two, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, loves you and he is your helper. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the great assurances that you are not just up there far away, but that you are with us. We thank you that you are the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, and that you are the one who is powerful, who made everything. And so we find ourselves crying out to you, Lord, to help us, to keep us going on this spiritual pilgrimage. And we pray that when it feels as if we can't go any further, that others would draw alongside us and that you would give us all that we need to cope day by day. And so please keep us going and help us to keep each other going. In Jesus' name, amen.